0: Welcome everybody, my name is Pat Bryan, I'm Performance Director and Co-Founder here at Spokes and you are listening to Bespoke, the Cycling and Triathlon Training Podcast. I'm delighted to be joined back by a Bespoke regular in Alan Heary. For the listeners that uh, aren't aware who Alan is, Alan is recognised as one of the top mental skills coaches in the world of sport. He has worked with many world champions, Olympians, and top professionals. His clients have included sports stars like Steve Collins, who's former world super middleweight champion, Kieran Power, who's double Olympian, double rash winner, Ryan Mullen uh, from Trek Segafredo, and is currently working and traveling with the Evo Pro racing team. He has competed in Race Across America as part of a team and is founder of one of the toughest bike races in the world, Race Around Ireland. Alan also works regularly with companies such as Microsoft and Heineken to develop high-performance teams and mental toughness. Now, Alan and I are going to be talking today, as you probably guessed by the, the title of the episode, is how to cope with a, a bad race. Um, I presume most people have uh, experienced a bad race or event, whether you time trial, ride crits, road races, or even turning up to do a grand Fondo Sportive and uh, and it not going your way. Uh, so we're going to give you some top tips on uh, on how to come through that and turn that negative into a positive, which is, is also going to be uh, really applicable for when you have a, a bad training session. Although we're going to be approaching this from the mentality point of view, rather than the actual training itself so throughout this we're just presuming that your training isn't the issue and actually something mentally isn't quite clicking alan how are you doing mate
1: i'm wonderful pal thanks again for having me on appreciate it it's great to be here
0: absolutely well we love having you on man and just for the listeners if you uh, if you haven't heard all of Alan's uh, uh previous episodes uh check back in the podbean vault there's some really really good and interesting episodes from uh the sort of goal setting 101 all the way through to mastering motivation um, a real good series of uh, uh of interesting and um, uh, thought provoking uh, episodes and uh, for more information obviously we'll, uh, uh alan will be able to to provide a bit more and uh, and you can always uh, sign up to any of his uh, programs via spokes.fit website so alan let's just jump straight in um yeah. when training and preparation has been spot on and you turn up to a race hmm. and it goes terribly what are the main causes of that
1: okay so some of it's down to your expectations what you really want to to happen within your event so The goals that you set going into it are obviously really important. But then there are other times where we come into an event and we literally talk ourselves over before we get there. So, you know, I've I've spoken to clients who will say, I'm doing such a race or or this sport this weekend, and I always do really badly in it. And so what tends to happen is even before you get to the event, you're looking out for things that could possibly go wrong. So let's say you wake up in the morning and it's raining and you suddenly think, oh, God, I knew something would happen. Like this is, this is just typical of this event. It's always like this. And then you get there and you're two minutes late or somebody says something to you that kind of upsets you a little bit. And so you get this little bit of a, a, a domino effect. Um, and the, the main reason why people tend to come away from uh, events or races and say, that was a terrible race, is really down to their expectations beforehand. And also, some of us have this uh, fantastic ability to catastrophize things. You know, that was awful. That was the worst ever. That was a disaster. It's not really a disaster. It's just a poor performance. Uh, So we can uh, use a really, really simple tool directly after your events, or I would say directly, I'd say a day after your events, just to give the chimp some time to calm down, that will actually help you and benefit you going forward into the next event and make you feel a little bit better about it. So I can give you that if you like.
0: Let's do it. Let's hear it.
1: Okay. So if you do this one thing, and this is a simple exercise that you can do after every, I would say get into the habit of doing it after every training session, but certainly after every event, it can certainly help your preparation going into the next one. And so the way that I work it is there are three questions that you have to answer um, after your event. And I would normally say to people, give it a few hours. Don't uh, answer it immediately, especially if you feel that you've had a poor performance. Because when we feel we have a poor performance, we have that little chimp in our head that's going nuts. The emotional part is still going a bit mental. So we need to let it sleep for a bit. We need to let it calm down. And then when it is calm, we can take out the logical part, the human part of the mind, if you like, and and speak to it. And so the three questions are very simple. What are the three things that went well within the race? So what actually went well for you within the race? And you take out your notebook and pen, you take out your training diary, and you put this down. What went well for you? The second question is, what didn't go so well for you? So put down two to three things that didn't go so well. And finally, the last one is, what did you learn from the race, the session or the event, and that you're going to change for the next one? If you, do, if you just sit down and you do that exercise after each uh, competition, I guarantee you, you will continue on improving throughout the year. Because what tends to happen is if we had a, bad experience or poor experience within an event, we only focus on the things that went wrong. But that's not necessarily true. There are many things that go well within events as well. And so this allows us that idea to always be progressing. Now, I have to say as well, Pav, it's the exact same uh, exercise if you've had the best race of your life. So I'll give you an example. I had a client who competed in the European Championships earlier on in the year and they won a bronze medal. And everybody was saying, it's fantastic. Like, we hadn't won a bronze medal in this event in in a long time. And people were congratulating him and sending him messages and stuff. And I sent him the message uh, the next day going, well done, dot, 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 dot. And he came back to me and went, I have the three questions finished for you. Because it doesn't matter, even if you win an Olympic gold medal, I'm still going to ask you the exact same thing. Because throughout the year, all we're looking at is improvement. That's what we're, at, we're aiming at is. How can we improve our performance? How can we improve the process and habits that we have in place in order to create that? And so that's, that, that, for me, is probably the number one exercise to do. Now, there are other things that you should be doing going into your event as well, being very clear about what your goals are. What, for you, would make it a great event? So if you think of your race uh, coming up, Um, Say you've got a race coming up in a a month's time or a few weeks' time. You really have to to think about it in terms of, if I was talking to you on the Sunday night after your race, what would make it a great performance? So what are the things that have to go well? Because a lot of times when people go into events, you go in with a very black and white idea. I win, it's a great event. If I lose, it's a terrible um, event. So this is why I would always say to people, make a list of all the goals that you have within the event. What would make it great? Uh, well, if I turn up on water, if I turn up on time, if I have my number, if I have all my gear uh, ready, um, if I do my warm-up properly. And so you make a list of all the things that would make really good performance. Then afterwards, you mark yourself out of 10 for each one of those. Whether you win the race or you're finished last in the race or you got dropped like me in the first 10K, it doesn't matter. I still fill out the same form. So i look like to see where I am at in, in different aspects. So it's, it's not black and white. You now have an entire profile uh, that you can look at to see uh, how you actually did. That's a much better way to set your expectations going into an
0: event. Absolutely. I, uh, I, I completely agree with you and a training diary is something that uh, I've, uh, I've been a big fan of for, for, for quite a long time. And you, you hit the exact sort of three questions that, that I would, uh, I would ask, uh, ask my clients to do. And, You've talked a little bit about expectations uh, in that. I mean, is there a bigger uh, problem there in terms of managing that? You talked about kind of uh, expectations coming out of it. But but is there something maybe along the lines where we expect too much of ourselves sometimes?
1: Yeah, I'd, again, going back to that idea of black and white, where you say if I win, it's going to be great. Or, or people say I should win this week. I've put in enough training. And that whole idea of just using the, the language, like the, the idea of should, uh, actually puts extra pressure on you going in. So um, just watching the language that you use, the moment that you say, I should do well this week, that puts extreme pressure and it builds up the expectation. So you change the should to could. And so instead of you going into an event and thinking, I should do really well in this, uh, you're really down to, I could do really well in this. Yeah, you could if you follow all the, the things that you're supposed to do. You could do well. It doesn't guarantee success, uh, but it certainly puts you onto a better, uh, better keel. So that's probably one of the, the best ways to manage your expectations uh, going into it. Some of us do, we set really high uh, a bar. I don't think there's anything wrong with setting a high bar. I just think you need to set um, a list of things that you would like to achieve this week rather than just one big one, which would be the outcome. Because at the end of the day, it's all about controlling the controllables. So you can't control winning a race. You can, however, control whether you have breakfast or not. You can control whether you arrive on time. You can control whether you have all your gear with you. So those are the things you can control. And that's what gives you the better chance of performance. So if you're going to set expectations for yourself, set expectations that you can control.
0: Perfect. Yeah, I completely agree with you there, and talked a little bit about pressure. I've uh, I, I could name a, a good few of my clients who have. Even before, during, and after I've worked with them, uh, still have that uh, deep ingrained pressuring themselves to do too much. Mm. Um, And I I guess when you talk to a lot of people, and the exact opposite can be true too. You can you can not pressure yourself enough. So, and I would say that's possibly losing focus of your goals. I I mean, how do you balance that, Alan? Is there is there some uh, tips around actually making sure that that you are sort of expecting enough of yourself? Yeah, that's a great question, Pav.
1: We we look at the arousal scale, if you like. So we need to feel a certain level of excitement, arousal, anxiety, if you like, to actually perform well. We know that as we get nervous, get anxious coming into events, and our arousal level goes up, performance also increases. So if you can imagine you've got a graph, and the line along the bottom is your arousal levels. And the line uh, along the left-hand side going up is your performance. So you have this bell shape where uh, as the arousal level increases, performance also goes up right at the top of that bell shape. So about halfway, if you like, um, on the arousal scale, this is where we call the zone. Now, at this point, you're challenged, but you have the ability to do uh, what you've set out to do. If the arousal level goes too high, you start to see it, drop off on the bell shape on the other side. So performance actually drops if the arousal level gets too high. Now, a lot of people set big expectations about you know what they want going into it. Uh, they get overexcited or the, or the arousal level is too high or the anxiety is too high. And so that can affect performance on a negative way. But equally, and people forget this, that if you don't set high enough expectations going in, if you don't put enough pressure on yourself, then we get down into the, the bottom end. And we call that boredom, you know, when you're kind of going in and you're going, ah, so look, let's see how it goes and it won't be great. And or the opposite, this should be an easy race for me. Then we don't get the arousal level up to where it needs to be. And so all, all the time, my job with clients is managing that scale. So if, um, if I've got a, a team or if I've got a client who's taking part in an event this weekend and they're saying, ah, look, it's not a really big event, then what I want to do is challenge them by, uh, well, let's, put in a goal where you have to do it in a certain time or you have to hit a certain point at a certain time. And so this adds a little bit of pressure. So now we're pushing it up on the arousal scale. So therefore the performance gets better and the focus gets better because your concentration gets better as the arousal level increases. So exactly what you're saying. So it affects your focus. So what I want them to do then is I want to add a little bit of pressure. Get your time uh, at a certain point or whatever uh, you feel that uh, would challenge you. And then if it goes too high, we pull it back a little bit by doing things like breathing techniques or muscle tension and relaxing or, or changing the expectations a little bit or the goals a little bit. So that's how that basically works. So you're absolutely right. Uh, people can go into events and not
0: have enough pressure. Thank you, Alan. That was a, a perfect answer. Um, I uh, would like to now talk a little bit about... Um, how and again from from a coach it's there's 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 certain people some people can brush it off some people are uh, I guess this might come down to um uh, emotional intelligence, or in, in in how you can you 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 recognize like your emotions and how you're able to control those. But I know there's a lot of people out there who are struggle with that kind of thing. And a negative result, or a negative, um, even in training, like not being able to hit the power when when they feel like they should, can be quite damaging to uh, to that sort of mentality. Uh, have you got any tips for people who are listening to this who actually? really do kind of take a bad result or a bad training session quite personally and how they turn that negativity into a into positive
1: yeah look to be honest Pav, right none of us wants to have a bad performance like none of us wants to have a bad training session uh none of us wants to have a bad race uh unfortunately it happens but we don't want it to happen so what we're all in the same boat, right? We all get annoyed, upset, frustrated if we don't hit the numbers that we really wanted to. I'm no different to anyone else in that. But let's say you take a, um, a top-level athlete. Let's just say we take confidence. So it can, you, people say it, it will knock your confidence a little bit. If you're not hitting the numbers, it's the confidence that gets a little bit of a hit. OK, so if we take a scale and we have um, a confidence level and you look at someone like Hussein Bolt, for example, and you, you can look at his confidence when he's on the track and it's actually really high. So you can say you can look at the likes of that and you think he, he, he never wavers from that. He always seems to have this confidence level. But I can absolutely guarantee you that he will still have doubts. And the reason why I can guarantee that is because anyone who says they don't have any doubts, they're either lying or delusional, one or the other, where it's built into us. It's a, it's a safety mechanism, if you like, that our brain has. So we're all there to have doubts. But the difference is that he may have a doubt the night before an Olympic final where he, he might be thinking, well, I hope I don't break tomorrow because if I break tomorrow, I'll get disqualified, which has happened to him in the World Championships before. But the difference is how quickly he bounces back. So he will say or do something that will bounce him back up to the level that he was at. Then he'll go along again. The confidence will drop because of uh, uh, doubts or somebody will say something and that confidence will drop. But again, he'll say or do something that bounces it back. So we all feel bad, frustrated and annoyed after a poor performance. What I do, what we're looking to do in terms of mental skills training is how quickly we bounce back after that uh, negative performance. And so one of the easiest ways to do that is going back to the the first exercise I gave you, sitting down and looking at from a logical point of view, what went well. Because most people only focus on the negative things. So we're looking to see what went well. Then I will give you an opportunity to tell me what went wrong. And you know what this is like, Pav. You know, you you might have a uh, poor performance, and you might have me saying to you, well, tell me what didn't go so well. And you say, oh, everything. And this is the way uh, when somebody is really negative, they speak sometimes. So we, we start to uh, generalize. We go, everything is wrong, everything. Just, it was just terrible. So well, not everything is wrong. There, you're guaranteed there were some things. Let's write everything down. And so when we start to write it down, the first one is easy, then the next one. Then the next one is not so easy to think about. Then it really slows down by the time we get to four. Then it slows right down by the time we have to think about number five. And so it's quite often, it's not everything that went wrong, just some things. Then when we look at those some things, then we can decide what have we learned from those some things and what are we going to change? And if those some things are physical, as in uh, I was just absolutely exhausted, then you do something like look at your training diary. Or you speak to your coach, you know, you give you a call uh, if you're coaching. And I say, well, you know, I'm exhausted at this. You look at your training diary and you see that actually I haven't taken a day off in you know, four, five, six weeks. I need to take a day recovery. And so it's a, it's a much better way for us to be able to manage uh, our training sessions from a negative point of view. So I would say to anyone out there, if you're doing your training session and you haven't hit the watts or you're not hitting the numbers that you want, uh, then you have to look to see what you need to do to, to improve that rather than just saying it was a terrible thing. Well, what did you learn? That's the third question, remember. What did I learn from this? And I'm going to change one into the next one. And that's why your training diary is so important. How do you keep a training diary, Pat? by the way? Do you keep a written training diary or do you just use training peaks?
0: training peaks mate that's uh, there uh, f- for me personally um it's it's training peaks i do you know i i include a lot of stuff in in my own a lot more than what my, my clients usually do and i i tie in a lot of my mental health and, and and my day and everything like that so if i've if i've had a hard day like a, a really long one and or it's uh like maybe i've had like uh uh, confrontation with someone and, uh, and that, that, I know how that affects me. Uh, it doesn't affect everybody as much as it, as it does some people, but I know that down because, um, it's one of the, the challenges that I've had to overcome and it's, it's something that is, uh, as, uh, uh, will affect my, my training or my sleep or my eating. And, uh, and, and the opposite to that, if I have a great day, I write it down and <laughs> anything, yes. anything like that. And like you say, there's that three things. What's, what's good. What's, what could be improved. And, uh, uh, and anything sort of else relevant, and that's what I try and put on my clients. Not everybody's a, 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 a diary writer, are they? Some people just put the bare minimum down, and it, it's very session yeah. specific. But I totally agree with you, and I think Training Peaks is is what we use right now, um, because it's just mm. uh, it's the platform we we kind of prescribe at and analyze training too. So having it in one place is it's great. What yeah. what the future I, holds, we don't know.
1: Yeah, just on that, I think the issue is that you write your stuff down, right? but you may look over it. You might look back and say, well, how, how do I compare in comparison to the last week or the week before? A lot of people just write stuff down and they never look at it ever again. Um, and So I think it's important for us to look back over the last couple of weeks to monitor how things have gone, um, to be able to change if we, if we feel it negative in some way. I don't just mean the training session. I mean the approach. It might be you've been doing turbo for the last two weeks. You haven't actually been outside the door. Uh, maybe that might be something you need to change. You know?
0: Yeah, I completely agree, and it's funny. We, I was speaking with Alex West, who's a uh, a pro on the on the on the world's first uh, Zwift based professional cycling team. Um, he had a massive, massive crash where he was. Uh, uh, pretty much thought he had written off his professional career, and uh, uh, and and we were talking about how actually um, communication is is one of the the best ways to come come through a hard time, and uh, uh, and I kind of suggested that there's a lot of people out there that can't communicate; they're just not talkers. And I said, well, you should just write it down because I tell you what, writing stuff down, writing problems down, does make it a heck of a lot easier. And that's a, a, another aspect that we could include in uh, in training diaries.
1: Yeah, well, the way that that works is very simple. If uh, if you've got a problem, it's like being in a room and you're flat against a wall and you're trying to push the wall. You're trying to get through the wall. You're trying to get out of this situation, out of this problem. The moment that you start speaking about the problem to someone else or the moment you actually take time to write it down, what you're doing at that point is you're taking steps back from the wall to see it from a different angle. And when you find yourself in the middle of the room, you tend to look and go, wow, there's a door I hadn't even seen before or there's a window I hadn't seen before. And so that's why it's important uh, to, to include communication uh, within, you know, if you find that you're in an issue where you have that problem, you have to literally step back sometimes. And that stepping back is talking to someone or, as you say, writing it down. It just gives you a, a better
0: perspective on things. Absolutely, absolutely. One of the things I wrote down knowing that we were coming into this, Alan, um, was um, what would, it, let's just say, for example, you are, imagine you are this person's conscience. So we've got a an athlete and they're either out riding or maybe they're in a race, maybe they're on Zwift or RGT cycling, something like that. You're their conscience, you're mm. on one of their shoulders. And, uh, and you can feel that they're starting to allow this negativity to creep in. Um, is there anything you would say to them right there and then in the middle of the session that would uh, help like, perk them up or change that attitude?
1: That's a great question. So I can tell you what I do. Uh, so when, when I have that negative voice coming in, which we all do, and have that negative voice coming in, I actually imagine the big red stop button. And I love this idea of slamming that stop button and just going, stop. So rather than the voice going on and on and on and telling me how bad this is going to be and how painful it is and how badly I'm doing, I press this stop button. But then you kind of have to replace it with something. Now, personally, I have always loved uh, the idea of using a commentator in my mind. So some people are very visual. So when they're on the bike and they're climbing a mountain, they can visualize a bungee cord attached to the front of the bike, which pulls them to the next pole or... The next corner, uh, some people go on field, so they love to feel the, the legs and the body, so they're, they're really into feel. For me, it's audio. So voices in my head really affect me. So they have to be the right voices. And so for me, um, I'm always constantly aware of the self-talk. And one of the things that I put in place, I, I, have not, I hadn't seen this before, but one of the things I, I started doing years back and introducing it with some of my clients was the internal commentator. So if you can imagine a Sean Kelly or a Declan Quigley who's on, uh, on Eurosport, if I'm starting to struggle going up the mountain, but rather than me saying, I am strong, I am good, that's useless. That actually doesn't work at all. Um, instead, I use the commentator. So I use the negative part where I tend to go, yeah. so here we have Al now, he's climbing up. He's looking like he's struggling a little bit, but you know what? He's strong. He just needs to get to that next corner. And I talk my way through the pain. And I'll give you a funny story, actually. Uh, when I said uh, uh, Sean Kelly or, or Declan Quigley, so now and again, i will have Declan Quigley's voice in my head. But I'm actually writing uh, a book at the moment with Declan. And um, I was going out on the bike with him and doing some cycling. <laughs> and uh, we are going up a hill, and I'm struggling. I'm breathing through my ears, and he's jotting away to me. I suddenly thought to myself, this is the one time I do not want to have Becky Wigley's voice in my head.
0: <laughs> you know,
1: when he was actually real, I went, you know what, England, shut up for a minute till I focus on my own internal voice. <laughs> oh, thanks, <laughs> so, thanks, uh, thanks. But that, that's what I do, is I, I have this big red stop button, and I just go, stop. Or, look at what does uh, Jens Voigt do, what is he famous for? The, the words that he's famous for.
0: Shut, shut up, up, legs. legs. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, I love it. And so yeah. you create something like that, and you know what? Everybody has their own little thing. So this is what I would be saying to you. Um, it's not enough for me to be riding beside somebody going, that's it, well done, keep going. That's, a lot of the time that doesn't help. They have to create what works for them, what's their little voice in their head. And so the stop button is really good. And then you add in uh, what you actually want to hear that's going to get you there. You have to remember as well, Pav, Sport is all about rhythm. All sports about rhythm. Music is one of the best things you can do um, in terms of rhythm. And so even if it's just a tune in your head, humming a tune in your head it actually makes a difference to how you're climbing, You know how you're riding the bike uh, when you're not feeling so good. So just doing that can actually have an effect. I'm Sorry, I have a funny story. You want to hear a funny story on that one, just in terms of music? Oh, <laughs> all right, man. All right. So I'm working with a guy who's uh, doing the skeleton, um, which is for anybody who doesn't know what the skeleton is, it's in the Winter Olympics and they go down head first on a bobsleigh run, so basically on ice. Uh, so they're doing like 80 mile an hour head first down this thing. Now, you've you, you got to be fairly, you know, on the ball, uh, and you've got to have a lot of courage doing it. But he was saying to me, he loves the idea of having the of having this rhythm and having this music in his head. So he's standing up at the, the top of the run. He's, a, he's about to, to run, jump onto the sled and go. And he says, so I'm there, and I have this thing going on in my head. And he said, the coach came up to me afterwards and said, you look really nervous uh, before you go and you do your run. And he goes, oh, not really, he says, I'm, I'm in control of it. And the guy goes, well, you know, you were doing a lot of moving, a lot of fidgeting. He goes, oh no, 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 there was a song playing in my head. So I was actually bobbing to the sound of the music and it was just keeping me nice and relaxed and calm before I went and did this. So that's the, just on that, that's all he had was just that sound. And other people look at you and go, you're a bit nuts. I don't care how mad it looks. Do whatever makes you feel great. That's what it's all about. when it comes to your race and when it comes to your doing your sportifs or your training, do whatever makes you feel good. And that's why I think the the self-talk is good, but only if you um, make it with a little bit of passion in your voice or, as I say, change it to the commentator. Next time you ride your bike, have that commentator in your head telling you how great you are. It's a whole different ball
0: game. I'm going to have your voice in my head, Alan. <laughs> and,
1: uh, uh, I don't even like my voice in my head half. That's why I going <laughs> to get out for Sean Kelly to do it.
0: <laughs> oh, fantastic! Yeah, I love that though. I think that's great. That's fantastic, and I love the fact that yeah, it needs to be something that the individual has chosen. It can't be. It can't be someone else that's. Uh, Chivy in them on. I? I mean, um, uh, let's just talk quickly before we, we start. Uh, I, I obviously, finishing with some top tips and uh, our usual challenge. But I, I had a question. I get this quite a lot from uh, from people, and I've got some some experience in this as well. So, uh, people are who are suffering already, maybe with depression or or anything like that. It, it, wh- where do you stand on medication? Are you are you somebody who if uh, I mean, obviously, there's a place for medication where, where, when there's like no other um, other sort of uh, options. But it, it, as far as I'm aware, there's nothing that can help this help like the topic that we've been talking about today help this get better. But are there certain people that might actually need to be on that?
1: Um, well, personally, when it comes to a situation where um, somebody is suffering from depression. Uh, for me, it's always the medical advice. Uh, you know, I don't recommend uh, medication or I don't not recommend medication. It's purely down to the doctor at that point. Um, I can tell you from a, from a personal uh, view, I would have always kind of gone, you know, well, if you can manage it, you can manage it. And you do, you do your training and stuff. But medication does help get people to a certain level, I think, sometimes where they're in a better position to think about and motivated to actually go out and do the things that can help, like exercise, like relaxation, like nutrition. Um, so sometimes there's definitely a place for it. But again, it's not my place uh, to recommend medication or not medication. I would go by uh, whatever the the doctors will tell you at that point. But sometimes I have found uh, from personal experience uh, working with some clients that uh, medication can help for a little while just to get them into a place where they're feeling enough energy and enough uh, confidence and being able to manage the anxiety enough to actually do the things that make them feel great, which are the things like the exercise and the uh the chatting to friends and stuff. So that's kind of where I stand on it. Um I, I purely follow the the medical on that one.
0: Yeah, no I completely agree with you there, Al. I think that um while uh, uh from from a personal point of view uh, i've been medication free for many years but i can tell you when i was uh, uh when i was bad or if i get very bad it's incredibly hard to even think about getting on a bike uh let yeah. alone let alone even having a bad race or a, a <laughs> training session so yeah there's definitely a role for the doctor to prescribe that and i think that it can be a good uh good sort of bridge to get you back on that the, the side that is um, that, yeah. that consistent and everything so um, thank you for and that Alan sorry Pav,
1: sorry, sorry Pav just on that yeah. as well sorry one last thing as I know we're going to wrap up but um, there's a difference between feeling down and depression as well so if something is lasting for a couple of weeks you definitely need to go and seek out help um, you, you don't wait um, too long but at the same time uh, you know if you have a day where you're feeling down that doesn't necessarily mean uh, you have depression either but certainly if you're feeling down go and get
0: help Absolutely. Completely agree with you there, mate. So let's, uh, let's wrap this up then. What, what we've talked about this a lot. Maybe, we've, uh, maybe there's some that we haven't, but uh, what are your top tips for uh, mentally overcoming a bad race? Okay, first of all,
1: it's not all about positivity.
0: Uh, you know, Positivity doesn't
1: always work. So you can be negative. I actually don't care if you're negative, but we're going to do it in a step-by-step process. The first one is going back to what we did earlier on, what went well? There's always things that went well. Even if it's that you turned up on time, you turned up with all your gear, that's still a positive. Then you look at the negative. So what didn't go so well? And then finally finishing off with that question of what did I learn and I'm going to change the next time? I think if you put those three steps in place, you will have much better workouts and you'll certainly feel much better And um, whether you have much better workouts or not. You only feel much better and you will continue progressing all the time. They would be my top tip. So it's not all about positivity. You can have negativity. That's fine. Um, it's how you use the negativity uh, to make you better. That's what
0: it's always about. Fantastic. And uh, does that link us up to our challenge?
1: All right. So the challenge really is the using something like the stop button. And I'd, I'd love to see what people come up with. I've said I love the commentator in my head because the commentator, it does a little bit of the negative and the positive. Look at him. He looks like he's dying, but he's always strong. He'll get to the top of this thing. I would love to see what people are using. Uh, try out the big red stop button. That when you hear the little voice in your head that says, I can't do this, I can't go on, and you have that thing that goes, stop. Try that button out. Let us know how you're getting on. But more importantly, what will you say to yourself after the big red stop button? What do you want the voice to say instead? So what do you want the voice to say? I would love to see uh, what people um, can challenge themselves with that because it's not always easy. Uh, What do you want the voice to say?
0: I love that I love that challenge, so uh, ladies and gentlemen uh, listeners, um, as ever, you can uh, feel free to take this challenge from Alan away and do it uh, do it on your own um, and uh, and just uh, write it down or visualize it or whatever you want to do, but if you would like to come and join and be part of a community where we'll be all doing this together. Um, jump on Facebook, head to uh, Spokes Performance Training Advice Facebook group. And uh, every week, lovely Claire, uh, one of our spokes stars, sets up these challenges. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to this, Alan. My one, I can tell you from my my CBT days, is that actually it's it's traffic lights for me. So it's very much the same. Uh And it's it's, it's red. It's a red light. (laughs) Um, And and I will have a little think about what it is that I'm going to say to myself. But, But you know what, it's been it's been really it's been great, mate, because there's been a lot of things on here where I again, every time we talk, I'm like I can relate it to like, oh, I did that when I was riding the other day and I didn't yes. even know I was doing it. So I love having you on, mate. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. I love it, mate. Listen, thanks for that. Chad is here, Absolutely. Listeners, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, it's always, always a pleasure to hear from you. So uh, if you've got any questions, comments or uh, any suggestions for content or uh, guests to have on, please, uh, please do reach out in our, in our Facebook group. Uh, again if you've uh, if you've enjoyed this uh, please do share it with your friends and uh, leave us a little comment or review uh, depending on which platform uh, you are on and uh, definitely definitely subscribe because no doubt we will be having uh, Alan back with us again. So thank you everybody. My name is Pav Bryan, I'm performance director and co-founder here at Spokes and you have been listening to Bespoked.